What's up, everyone? I'm Katherine Rudder, and you're listening to Life in the Fast Chain. Ryan Rugg, how is my podcast voice? Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. I know I practice it all the time. This is actually funny because normally I try and like enter really with a bang. And so I maybe do it one or two or three times. This time I can only do it once. So, well, anyways. Perfect, you nailed it. Thank you. I'm just digging for compliments here. How are you today? Wonderful, and yourself? I am great. You are so busy today with this insurance summit. Um, Tell me a little bit about it. Who's here? Yes, so 2018 was a really exciting year for our three especially within the insurance sphere. We had our first app go live in SureWave. We're currently pilot with several others, and we thought it was a great opportunity to bring these leaders together. So anyone that was live or going live Q1 this year, um, we invited here to our New York office. I think up next you have Christopher McDaniel from RiskBlock, the mm-hmm. president, who will be sharing what he's working on. And we really want to drive collaboration in the industry. So, you know, the R3 team is sharing um, Kind of the roadmap for the platform, what's coming, what's being released, what's being released in Q, you know, on version five, as well as, you know, the core to network. And yeah. it's, you know, interoperability is really important in all industries, but especially within insurance. Brokers, yeah. insurers, reinsurers um, share a lot of information. So as these individual business networks are going live, we want to kind of share what was involved in being part of the quarter network. And happy to say we're in the process of onboarding our first one right now and how mm-hmm. they can kind of drive collaboration for the future. Yeah, very cool. It's so busy today. There's so many people around. Um, you've done a very good job with that event. And you also have another exciting announcement that has just kind of come out, the InsureTech Challenge. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So we're launching our first uh, Corda Insurance InsureTech Challenge, um, which is we're inviting all innovation arms of insurers as well as InsureTech startups to participate. Mm-hmm. And what's really exciting about this is um, – it's really an industry effort. You know, we today at the summit, we announced that we want, we asked them to be judges. So they'll be judging round two, which is in August. Mm-hmm. Uh, round one is due March one, which is really meant to be a low barrier. You know, it's just a high level. What is your court app? What is the business case? What does it solve? Mm-hmm. Um, an in- executive industry within the group will kind of review it and then move on to round two. But what's really exciting is round three, which is at Corticon. Last year, we had over a thousand people. Mm -hmm. We had global insurers. We had banks. We had exchanges, um, so forth. They'll get main stage and get to present in front of their peers. The winner will get a free Corda Enterprise license, $25,000 in cash or services. Whoa. Uh, Spot on our showcase call, which they'll get introductions to the network of insurers we know. Um, in addition, they get a senior mentor um, at R3 as well as one of our partners. So wow. Infosys, Cognizant, Accenture, E&Y, and several others globally have signed up to be mentors to really help them design and deploy their core apps. Wow. That's a lot. It seems like this is like the best competition. We also have the pitch competition going on for university students, but this is kind of broader. Anyone can kind of 
um, submit their stuff. This is crazy. These awards are really good. It gets you so much exposure. It gets you so much exposure, and also you get a real senior mentors internally at R3 yeah. as well as externally, people that are experts on Corda. Yeah. So, you know, any of those type of, you know, if it's your first time ever designing a Corda app or ever mm-hmm. using, you know, Kotlin, which is the language of Corda, which is Java-based, you know, really helps smooth on that process and accelerate yeah. it. Yeah, wow. You get kind of the full package if you win the competition. So good luck to everyone entering. You can find out more information on r3.com slash insuretech-challenge. I'll link that in the bio. On to Chris McDaniel. Thank you so much, Ryan, for coming in the studio. Thank you, Catherine. I appreciate it. I have Christopher McDaniel in the studio today. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. Of course. How have you been? How's your day going? It's a little um, crazy in the office right now. Very good. I'm, I'm excited. It's, uh, it's, every day is a great day. Yes. Oh, I agree. I love that mentality. So I warned you that you'd have to say something interesting or funky, weird about yourself <laughs> when you got on the podcast. So what do you have for me? Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, in my... And this is the the running joke in my so-called free time, which I don't have much of. But uh, one of the things that um, that I do on the side is I am a published author. I actually have a series of thriller novels uh, that Whoa. I have written, and I uh, have another one that's in final editing now. So hopefully, it'll be out uh, uh, in the next few months. What? That's a really cool one. I used to be uh, in college. I was an English major, creative writing concentration. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Great. So yeah. I wrote a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. Thrillers. What kind of thrillers do you? Uh, have? Well, they're uh, they're uh, based in Florida, and cool. it's about uh, the, the it's uh, set around three friends uh, mm-hmm. that went to college together. They get back together twenty years later and go on various and sundry mis- uh, misadventures uh, uh, across the books. Oh, my goodness. Where can I get these books? <laughs> Amazon.com. <laughs> I, I swear to you, I'm, go, I'm going to buy one. Yeah. Be, or I'm going to start them because, one, I love writing. I love English language. I just love all of that. And, two, I love thrillers, and I'm very interested in Once true a writer, crime. Which a writer, is, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm super interested in true crime, which is very weird because I am scared of my shadow. <laughs> I am so frightened. I thought yesterday that someone was following me on my street, which absolutely there was no one on my street. <laughs> I got into my uh, apartment, called my younger brother right away because I was like, I just don't feel safe. He was like, what? You're so weird. And it's because I'm watching these thrillers and reading. That's them. right. That's right. It gets into your, uh, into, yes. your, into your brain. Yes, it does. And also, there's this new thing. Do you ever watch Netflix shows? Um, you're like, I'm so busy. I don't have any time. <laughs> but um, there's this new Netflix show out called You. I've heard of that. I haven't seen it, but I have heard of it. Okay. Yeah. So, first off, my coworkers told me that I potentially should not watch it because I could be the girl who's being stalked. <laughs> right. I was like, what? They're like, yeah, it's a blonde girl living in New York City, and she's just really trusting. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so now I'm so scared. And that is why I'm currently uh, super freaked out. But it's very good and very well done. Sounds good. Okay. Let's check it out. I'm going to buy it. So what's, what are your books called? So the, uh, the series is called The Crew of Jupiter Series. Um, the first book is, uh, that I wrote uh, is called Nautical Contraband. Mm-hmm. And the second book in the series is called Rum Line Bend. Mm-hmm. Uh, rum Line spelled like a line on a map, R-H-U-M-B. Mm-hmm. So Rum Line Bend. And uh, the one that's about to be released is called D'Umbra uh, mm-hmm. once it finishes uh, going through the editing process. And then I've got another one that's up here that eventually will be out <laughs> called uh, 99 Island. 
Cool. That's so interesting that you have the title before. I find making titles the hardest thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, the, the, t- the titles to me kind of write themselves. So it's the uh, the rest of it that's, uh, that's harder. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. I think I could write for days, but I, I cannot think of titles for my life, which is actually very funny because for the podcast episodes, I have to create titles title for each, for each episode. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So I try and do quotes from the episode or something kind of funny. Um, but yeah, titles are my, my worst enemy. So that's so funny. Well, thank you for that. Sure. I really related to that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure some of our listeners will as well. So let's talk business. Okay. <laughs> what is your role at Risk Block? I am the president of the Risk Block Alliance. Okay, so what is the Risk Block Alliance for people who don't know? Sure. So the Risk Block Alliance was um, uh, originally came out of the idea of it originally came out of the institutes. And the institutes, uh, for those that are in the insurance industry, uh, are most folks are very uh, familiar with the institutes. They've been around 100 plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, they're uh, in property and casualty. They do uh, education and research. A lot of the most popular certifications, like the CPCU certification, uh, comes out of the risk block. Well, it's, uh, it's about 30 others that we have uh, as well. So the the board of the institutes is the one that originally charged um, the institutes with uh, going out and checking out on, you know, looking at blockchain and deciding whether it was something that was appropriate for the insurance industry. And the board of the institutes is made up of 30 plus uh, of the lar- of CEOs of the largest insurance companies out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also, though, in addition to uh, looking at uh, you know, proof of concept and proving the applicability of blockchain, they also asked us to do something we call proof of uh, collaboration. And proof of, proof of collaboration is could we get all these competing insurance companies to come together uh, to uh, work together toward common solutions. Uh, so uh, we – out of that, we created a task force. We identified four potential proof of concepts, and we put the word out to the industry. And we thought, eh, we'll maybe get 10 or 12 uh, different companies that might be interested in, in being part of what we're doing. And we got 30 companies that raised their hands that said they wanted to be part of it. So we spent about six months on that task force uh, creating um, those proof of concepts. And in not June this past year, but the year before, um, we uh, presented those proof of concepts to uh, the Institute's Board of Directors, and we were able to obviously prove out proof of concept, but also proof of collaboration because we had all those firms working together. Yeah, that's really cool, and it's awesome that you got so much interest right away. I love that when you really expect something, exactly. like some and number, you so and you get more, so exactly. much more. You doubled. Um, so why blockchain? Why did you guys look into that? Yeah, so you know, it's interesting. You know, we one of the things that you know when we got the green light to go forward with with creating the Risk Block Alliance, one of the you know the, the I think one of the smartest decisions that was made was instead of jumping straight into building applications and things like that from a blockchain standpoint, uh, we took about three months and we really thoroughly developed the uh, the value proposition for what we were doing, why we were doing it, and why it would potentially be beneficial to the industry. And there's really three components that we came up with that, um, you know, really justify, you know, why we're doing what we're doing. And number one, we felt that it was extremely important that there needed to be a, uh, a someone that had a um, that could be Switzerland that could uh, not necessarily have a have a revenue slant on why they were doing things. So we wanted to create a, a consortium that was a not for profit uh, that would bring the industry together. Um, we created a 501c6, and that six on the end is very important because it means we're member driven, mm-hmm. uh, and our members are very involved in everything that we want that we do. We have a very engaged membership base, and um, you know based on that. 
Um, we also knew that our members who are insurance carriers, brokers, and reinsurers, but there was a need to pull others from the industry in as well. So other not-for-profits like Accord or LIMRA, mm-hmm. uh, but also uh, other for-profit organizations like a Guidewire or a Duck Creek or, or others. Mm-hmm. So we created programs so that they could be part of what we're doing as well. So, you know, that not-for-profit consortium was important. But then, you know, we looked at what was being done from a blockchain standpoint, and there were, um, you know, several problems that were um, that, that that were going on with what was currently being developed from an insurance standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the key things that we recognized is that everybody out there was recreating the wheel. So if you had somebody that created an application and they needed policy information, they created a policy blockchain. And then 30 days later, if somebody in the insurance industry uh, created a different application, they needed policy information, they created another policy blockchain. Yeah. So there was no, uh, you know, it was all these silos that were being Mm -hmm. created uh, all over the place. People were reinventing the wheel. So we wanted to really create a ubiquitous uh, uh, set of blockchains that could serve the entire industry. So a standardized set of blockchains that could then have multiple applications uh, written on top of the same set so that they were reusable. Uh, So based on that, we uh, we created Canopy. And Canopy is, uh, you know, we believe uh, one of the first, if not the first, uh, true standardized blockchain frameworks out there in the industry. Mm-hmm. And that ga- gives us the ability, again, to not only to have, um, you know, n- to not recreate the wheel, but it has the extra act, uh, uh, benefit of every time that a new application is built on top of Canopy, it brings more data into the set of blockchains. Mm-hmm. And because of that, Canopy just keeps getting stronger and stronger. So it's like a self-propagating engine. Every time that you add more information to the set of blockchains, you can do more creative, innovative use cases on top of it. So it just gets Mm -hmm. stronger and stronger over time. So the goal with Canopy is to ultimately have it be the plumbing for the industry, uh, for the insurance industry, with all the uh, various and sundry applications being written on top of it. So the, the third thing that we did from a value proposition is we recognized that we needed to be able to build use cases in volume. So we created a global uh, software factory that can build um, you know, up to 20 applications uh, annually. Uh, and um, that's very important. But we also realized that one of the things that we wanted to do was we wanted to make sure that we didn't just build a framework, but we built an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And to build an ecosystem, if you look at what Apple or um, or, uh, or Google or any of the others have done, uh, the way you build an ecosystem is you open it up to others to build on top of. So with our 2.2 version of Canopy, which is rolling out um, in a couple of months, um, it has the ability and the tools and everything that's required for third parties to build applications on top of Canopy with the idea, again, that it turn- goes from being a framework to being a true ecosystem. Yeah, because that's cool because it's like Corda, bottom level, Canopy, and then the other applications on exactly top of right. them. Exactly right. Cool. So you kind of uh, quickly mentioned Guidewire and Duck Creek. For people who don't know who, if maybe they're listening, don't know much about the insurance industry, what are those two things and also how will you use them? Sure, absolutely. So Guidewire and Duck Creek are, are two uh, back office platforms, uh, policy admin systems, as we call them in the industry, mm-hmm. in the property and casualty space. There's others on the life and annuity and, and, and other insurance sectors as well that we're going to be uh, doing. But one of the things that when we built Canopy 
is we really wanted Canopy to be the last mile, if you will, to blockchain. So what we wanted to do was create the interfaces, and we have created the interfaces uh, for Duck Creek and for uh, for Guidewire to those policy admin systems that most people have in their back office so that it connects the blockchain to the insurance companies. Uh, so that's extremely important to have that, that, that connectivity because otherwise – even though Canopy is great, it's basically sitting in a vacuum if it doesn't connect to the insurance company's back ends. Yeah. So it, it has that ability to connect to the back office, uh, which is uh, extremely important to be able to create true, um, useful enterprise platforms for the insurance industry. It has to be integrated. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you guys are working with Corda right now, but you did not initially uh, start using Corda as your first blockchain uh, can you talk about just that experience and sure. using other platforms? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the 1.0 version of Canopy was built on uh, Ethereum. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were one of the uh, original founders of the uh, Enterprise Ethereum Alliance that's out there. And, um, you know, we learned a lot. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that we that we learned, and I think everyone um, learns this when they start, uh, uh, you know, originally getting into blockchain, is the public blockchain versus the private blockchain are two very different things. And when you take Ethereum or some of the other platforms that were built originally for the public blockchain and you try to make them work in a private um, blockchain uh, enterprise framework, uh, what you wind up doing is you wind up building infrastructure to try to force that square peg to work in the round hole. And, you know, where's your value added? Building infrastructure to try to make something work, or building value-added products and platforms for your for your members. Mm-hmm. So you know, once we went through that process and really understood the you know the you know the issues with trying to force a public blockchain into a private uh, permissioned environment, it was just you know it, we just couldn't justify it. Uh, so we went uh, through um, in spring, uh, early spring of last year, we went through a process where we uh, evaluated different platforms that were out there, you know, tried to identify, you know, which ones were truly built for the enterprise. And there's not many. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot, most of what's out there is, you know, people doing things for the public blockchain. So uh, we very quickly uh, were able to narrow our focus down on uh, Corda and uh, uh, chose to move forward with uh, the enterprise version of, uh, of Corda. And interestingly... Uh, it was. Uh, I think we, made, we we definitely made the right decision for for a lot of reasons, but there, the other competing consortiums to us that are out there went through the same process. They started on something else, and they've all gone to Corda now too. So virtually the entire in- insurance industry now has gone to Corda. So I think we made the right decision. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, I uh, today when we were recording this, there's a bunch of different insurance and in companies in the office and. I think it's very cool. Ryan Rugg does our insurance stuff. She's amazing. She's really spearheading this whole insurance um, industry, getting on blockchain and specifically on Corda. So right. it's great. We're happy to have you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so what's next for RiskBlock? Well, you know, we, we look at RiskBlock as uh, truly um, – and it, we look at RiskBlock, we look at blockchain, and we look at Corda mm-hmm. as really being that underpinning, that plumbing uh, for the insurance industry. Uh, so everything that we're doing right now is, uh, you know, very much about, you know, 
building applications that um, that sit on top of RiskBlock. One of the things that we're going to be looking to do, um, you know, later on this year is we're going to really start to look at how do you get other uh, information into um, Canopy and into mm-hmm. Corda and ultimately to the back office system of the members. So we're talking about things like telematics, Internet of Things, you know, future wow. things like uh, self-driving cars. It's interesting you talk to, you know, some of these Internet of Things device companies and they're, and they're all like, oh, yeah, you know, our water monitor that goes in your basement is going to be the future of insurance. And then you ask them, well, okay, how are you going to get the data from your water monitor to the insurance companies? Mm-hmm. And they're all like, well, oh, we'll just put it up on a, on a report on a portal and they can go out and look at it. Uh, no, no. That's, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. That's not, you know, you, that's not scalable. That's not yeah. going to be anything that they're even going to like to do. So our plan is to create standardized interfaces that bring in, you know, Internet of Things data, that bring in telematics and that kind of stuff and, you know, get that data cleaned up and ultimately get it into Canopy, into the blockchain, Mm -hmm. which connects to the back office platform. So what we basically will be creating down the road is the last mile to get that information in so it's usable by the insurance companies. Yeah, that's really cool. Sometimes I um, ask on the podcast, like, what do you see this technology doing in 10 years, 20 years, 50 years? Um, But... I haven't really talked too much. I mean, I have had Mike Kern, who also is, um, works from, for R3. He's the lead platform engineer here, and he's talked a little bit about AI, IoT, and all that stuff. But uh, we haven't really focused too much on how they're all going to work together. And that's, and that's exactly right. If, if yeah. you, it's kind of like the way the Internet used to be. You know, If you didn't have that you know, cable to your house, how do you get that last mile? How do you yeah. get that connectivity? It's the same kind of concept. But yeah. interestingly enough— I do think that's a more near-term thing. That's not something that's that, that's ten years out. That's yeah. something that I think that you know, over the next five years, that's going to be here uh, in, in place. If you want to start thinking further out than that, um, I think that you know, right now, all of the information that uh, flows into Canopy is very much generated by the insurance companies. Yeah. Uh, so you know, that's all that risk data and everything else is coming from the insurance company, uh, at least you know, 85, 95% of it for the, you know, for the next few years. But mm-hmm. as we start getting those interfaces in place, and interestingly, interestingly enough, um, we're having more and more third-party non-insurance companies in the energy space and the trucking space and all these yeah. other areas that are coming to us wanting to plug into what we're doing and uh, be able to get the benefit of the insurance applications. We think that, you know, and it's not going to be right away, but, you know, five yeah. years out, you know, between five and 10 years out, you're going to see a flip where a lot of that risk data is not coming from the insurance companies. It's coming from outside sources mm. for the insurance companies to use. So the whole model right now of where that information comes from is going to be external, not internal, as it is now. Yeah. If you think of somebody like Clorox, for example, okay, they've got huge, you know, on there where they're manufacturing in their warehouse where they're you know, they've got all kind of checks and balances and things like that to make sure that, you know, the chemical balance is right in Clorox and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. All that's risk information. If that risk information was flowing into the insurance companies, what could you do with that and what kind of policies could you write uh, mm-hmm. to help cover those insurance companies if you had better risk data and, and, and risk management? Yeah. And ultimately, the goal is not to write better policies. The goal is to uh, determine risk and mitigate risk before it even becomes an issue. Yeah. So you Clean so the whole data. insurance industry ultimately becomes risk mitigation, not on the back end 
yeah. paying out uh, out claims on risk after the after it's already too late and it's already occurred. Yeah, there's so much money that can be saved from yeah. like these silly errors. Cleaner data. Oh my gosh, um, that's really cool. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing. Sure. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh my pleasure. And hanging out with me for a little bit. Sure. <laughs> um, I'm actually really going to uh, buy your book. Oh. Very good. I will send you confirmation when I do. Sounds good. Let me know. I'll <laughs> sign it for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That would be amazing. Um, okay, great. And everyone, I will link all of this stuff in um, the podcast bio so people can just click to your book, click to what you guys are doing, and all that stuff. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Fast Chain. As always, share the podcast with your friends. And if you have any suggestions to make, after all, this podcast is for you, just let me know. Tweet at me at Bread and Rudder. We have so many good episodes to come. I love you all so much. Thanks. Bye.